Well, Kenny, we are back for another one. After talking about Melchizedek, we are moving along um, to pretty cool, some more cool stuff. Going back now and listening to how we've we've got a few under our belt, we have some characteristics that I've noticed. Uh, I that? say so a lot, and you say, does that make any sense? <laughs> Am I making sense here? So, it's kind of funny. See, I just said it. Did it make sense? Yeah, it still made sense. Good. You know what I'm saying? I'll ask again. Um, so... Nice. We are pretty good at making fun of each other, but we haven't done it too much on the podcast. So we're in um, Genesis 15. Before we dive into that, uh, we want to make it clear up front that uh, we think the scriptures can be revealed by God, right? Absolutely. I'll let you take the lead this time. Um, <clears throat> the scriptures are... Uh, a relationship to learn about God for him to teach you it's uh, what he gives faith through um, faith comes through hearing hearing the word of God I mean I, that's a pretty common one but it's a very true one and the power of the the power of the scriptures obviously are in God and in faith in God but it's how he speaks to us and it's how he reveals himself to us the same way he has to mankind for thousands of years. So, um, very cool to dig into things like Ishmael and, and Abram and Sarai, these people that were very real. This stuff took place, very historical, and there's, there's a lot to be seen in it. Yep, and... Uh... You know, our, our continued goal for people to understand is that you don't need a pastor and you don't need to go to some other books. And we're not, again, saying that those things are all bad. We're just saying that um, you don't have to feel inferior because anyone that, anyone that gets revelation in the scriptures is given by God. And we have a relationship with God, like you're saying. So if we open it, press into it, dig into it, you know, it's, uh, it's Paul that compares it to, like, training so you think about training for anything, you know, you've got to, you, there's always a, a, the times where you feel like you're not getting anywhere, but you are. You just have to press through it and trust that God's going to show you things. So, well, that, To add on to that, um, there many times, you know, in training, you, especially when you start, the last thing you want to do is take that first jog. I mean, if you're running, whatever, to, to take that first run, it's very hard, you know. I mean, a lot of times studying is the same way. Yeah. You, uh, it, it takes, you know, putting the work into it and, uh, understanding that there, there is a reward of truth to be found in it. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, if you don't believe it's, once you start to see it, I believe that's what gives you the motivation. Just like in training, you start to feel it. Yeah. You know, quickly. You run a lot? Uh, I ran, um, one time. up the stairs today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I start running and then I complain about it for the next three or four days after. Um, okay, well, let's run this race then. So we, we've just talked about Melchizedek. And um, Abraham has uh, whooped up on some kings. And uh, Melchizedek comes on the scene revealing that they have the same God. Um, showing us the two orders 
Um, we hope that folks that listen have gone back and looked at Hebrews. And if you have and you've seen some new things, please comment on the site or shoot us an email because uh, you know we always want to learn and study this. And that's our goal that this be a Bible study. Um, you know, not just two guys talking heads and people listening, but getting involved and, and going back and looking at it. Um, so now Abraham has this, this, this conversation with God, or God shows up, says in chapter 15, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. Um, so it says this happens right after, you know, um, all the things happened with Abram and him giving everything back to, uh, to the king of Sodom. pretty interesting how Abram <clears throat> I think we talked about he says do not be afraid um, he must be meaning don't be afraid of you know the Lord appearing to him there yeah because it's like well he's 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 um, he's been relying on God to do the things that he have he has and he's you know he's he's pointed to God you know God most high creator of heaven and earth so you're right, it does seem kind of odd that he's like, well, don't be afraid. He hasn't said that before when the Lord has appeared to him in previous chapters. Yeah. And then, like, you'd think Abram would be in the in the greatest spot spiritually after meeting Melchizedek and all the stuff taking place. Yeah, it's, and when God's met with him before, he's, like, telling him about, he's giving him the promises. So it's like, man, every time God shows up, he's telling me all this great stuff he's going to do. So. Yeah. And then the shield and the reward. It's awesome. Yeah, so I want to. I think it'd be fun to take this um, this section um, before, and you you reminded me of, of our past studies. We talked about this part, and um, I hear a lot a lot of talk about the treasures that you can store up in heaven, and there are a lot of books about there about it out there, and that you should have this motivation to do certain godly things because you're gonna you're gonna add to your mansion in heaven and all these kind of things, and and. Um, Personally, what I've seen in the scriptures, I don't believe that that agrees with the scriptures. Um, and the reason I think of that here, and, and I'll try to lay it out, is that God is saying, I'm your shield, your very great reward. So when I think of shield, I picture a shield, I think about the armor of God that we get later, right, in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And when I think shield, I think of David, and David going before Goliath, and the fact that God was truly his shield. Good point. Yeah, he put like the he armor. Put, yeah. He put Saul's armor on, and he wasn't used to it, so he had to take it back off. Right, because he was an earthly armor. Yeah, right. yeah, what better armor to have? I mean, he—that's cool. And um, I don't know if you know how the story ends, Kenny, but um, David defeats Goliath. He actually cuts his head off with his own sword. Ew, that's yeah. in the Bible. Yeah, I think there's some blood and everything. So, the children's stories are a little watered down. Yet we can turn on commercials and see Robin Hood turned into gladiator or something. And I read my first Bible a couple times. I didn't see a head cut off. <laughs> well, maybe we got us uh, something we could start marketing. That's an awesome uh, children's Bible that is accurate. Yeah, like, like a pop-up Bible with some squirting blood. Well, yeah, no, no. I mean, I mean Twilight's David's popular, hand right? like pulls the head off of Goliath when you pop it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Well, at least it would be accurate. Um, so the other thing with this, your very great reward. So God is his reward. Here he has just taken... And literally everything that he had was his to give back to the king of Sodom. The king of Sodom goes to him and asks for it. Right? You can keep this, but please give me my people or give me the people. Yeah, he says keep the goods. I right. Mean, 
So it's all these things belong to him at this moment to give back. And of course, Abram says, well, you know, the Lord has told me. And then God follows behind that and says, I'm your reward. Yeah. Um, and so one of the verses for me, um, as I studied this look at treasure and the things that you can, you can get or, or whatnot, to me, up front, the treasure is eternity with God. The treasure is faith because it's more precious than gold and silver. What I think is interesting about that up front is that gold and silver in the Bible, it, it, we know what gold and silver is back then, and gold and silver still is valuable today. Mm-hmm. And you constantly hear commercials about how gold is going up. and it's, it's just, So it's interesting that that's used, and yet gold has continued through the entire history of the world. It's always been something of great value. That's true. I mean, peasants carry potatoes, right? Yeah, things come and go, but but gold is still what it was back then. It's still the most reliable currency. Yeah. According to the commercials. Now, Kenny is a little biased because he has two gold teeth. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Totally kidding. Uh, There's nothing wrong with gold teeth, though. Seriously. Um, So, I threw us off there. So... (laughs) (laughs) First <laughs> Peter 1, uh, starting in verse 3, um, it says, uh, let's go to that. And I, I think this is uh, a, a key here, because you're going to see some of the same words used. Um, if I can get to it. Gosh, be prepared. I know. And uh, starting in verse 3, First Peter 1, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Um, so, some of the words that jump out, through faith... Um, you're shielded by, let's see, that's in, um, so we've got the, oh, the power of God, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got faith, which is of greater worth than gold. And the goal of your faith is the salvation of your souls. Um, so a lot of interesting, a lot of interesting words there. Um, yeah. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of that salvation. Which is interesting is that in there a scripture that says, well, in the uh, the armor of God that you're talking about, it doesn't say what the sword, which is, does it say the power of the Spirit? No, I think I'm mixing that up with another verse. Um, okay. Yeah. I, Do you, uh, we can pull that up in a second if you want. I'll have to look for it. Okay. Go um, down three so, looking at that verse, our faith of greater worth than gold, right? It's the the goal of our faith is salvation. Our faith, uh, through faith, we are shielded by the power of God, which is exactly what God is saying to Abraham here, right? Abraham mm-hmm. has this faith. 
So, um, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go through some verses up front and I'm not trying to prove text. I'm not trying to take these verses out of context, but I just want to look, let's take everything out of our mind that we've been told that you get or how it, this all works. Um, <laughs> pun intended. Um, but, and just, just go through it for a second and then see what you think. So, um, in Acts 20 verses 32 through 35 says, now I commit you to God and to the world of his grace which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So it's interesting, the inheritance uh, among those who are sanctified. So we're also talking about salvation. And I started thinking about the use of the word inheritance in the Old Testament. Well, we're, we're in the heart of it. Abraham is given the promise, well, the promised land, of that his descendants are going to inherit this land. And the land represents something. Yeah. And, and I mean, Hebrews um, talks about when, uh, when, when the... The Israelites are brought out of Egypt, out of captivity. They wander in the desert, and God says that the ones who were disobedient will never enter his rest. And then he equates that rest. He says, still today, some are entering his rest. And the promised land is a picture. It's a physical picture of the fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham. A land flowing of milk and honey, which have you know, great meaning in the scripture of, of, of wisdom from God, you know, the gifts of God, milk, mm -hmm. uh, spiritual milk, um, honey, uh, does too throughout the scripture. It's, uh, it, it equates God's rest. Um, and, and so this is the salvation, this is salvation, which, which the promised land is foreshadowing, right? Yeah. You, you cross the Jordan over to it. Um, and yeah, okay, yeah, okay, so, so, um, continuing with some verses, Ephesians, and well, I, I think of this verse, and I haven't fully wrapped my head around it, but when Jesus talk, is talking to the Pharisees, and he's calling them blind guides, and he says, what is greater, um, the gold or the temple that makes the gold sacred? Hmm. So it's kind of interesting, because, you know, and, and, and in that, obviously, just on the surface, I see the fact that, okay, even if there was something in heaven, why would we be more concerned with our mansion once we're there? We're going to be in the presence of God. When anyone has even come close to seeing God, like, you know, um, Moses saw his, his, um, the, the, the back. Right. Right. And, like, and his cool. face was shining when he came back. I mean, it's like, we are not going, to, we cannot in our minds wrap our head around what it's going to be like to be in the presence of God. And that's the great reward. He is the great reward. Um, so let's continue on. Um, let me go here to um, Ephesians three. I just want to lay out some, some just some using scripture to define this. In verse eight, um, although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God. Who created all things. So the unsearchable riches of Christ. And what do we have in Christ? We have salvation. So it's continuing on. Um, and then Psalms. 
um, 119. We're going to be in the Psalms a good bit here. It says, The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Um, so, the law of the Lord's mouth is more precious to me than so. God's word is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Um, Colossians 1, 25-27, in that we hear the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hopes of the glory. So we see these same kind of words of mystery and the riches of that, of knowing Christ. Um, and so I also did kind of a word search of the word precious. Um, and in Psalms 19, we hear um, we get more precious than gold. Psalms 139.17, um, precious are God's thoughts. I mean, often we hear about the, these things of God being precious. Mm -hmm. um, so when you get into First Peter, back to First Peter, in uh, chapter 1, verse 19, it says, um, well, I'll start in 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in the last time for your sake. Um, and it goes on to talk about the faith and hope in God, which is very similar words to before. Um, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 through 7, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living songs, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Um, which uh, takes the... No, go ahead. Well, I just, I'm just laying out the fact that the stone is precious. It goes on to say the stone is precious. Right. But go ahead. Well, no, it's not talking about being built into a spiritual house, too. So, I mean, there are scriptures about many rooms or my father's house in heaven, stuff like that. But this is not our what we uh, see today. You know what I mean? This is not um, on the level that we can see with our eyes right now. This is this is way greater. This is salvation. This is, just like you said, being in the presence of God. This is a shelter. Um, this is the clothing after we're naked in the garden. This, But it's not with the physical clothing to keep us from getting cold and stuff, I mean, there, there's so much greater. You know, these yeah. are these are symbolisms to to show what God's doing spiritually. And it, yeah, and and I'm not saying that heaven's not going to be filled with gold and precious things at all. I mean, these are things that God created. Yeah, Revelation says it is. But yeah, it's I mean, not. it's going to be amazingly beautiful. But I guess my point is that should it be, if God's our great reward, should we be driven by the fact that we do something here so that we get some kind of reward in heaven? Um, it just seems so absolutely silly to me. Right. Um, and I think about like when someone dies and, and it was someone's close to them and people will say, I would give everything I have to be in the presence of that person again. That is a similar picture to what we have in Christ and in God is that the fact that we've never been able to be in his presence and to see his face. And he designed it. I mean, I don't remember the garden being described as having streets of gold and all of these things. Like it was, it was, there was a relationship there and that's what it was about. And I'm not saying that those right. things are worthless. I'm just saying that when I read this, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. From an application standpoint, it challenges me because I, I don't think of God in that way, in the purest form of that way, where I totally view him as my great reward as often as I should, and I know that I can't wrap my head fully around it. Mm -hmm. 
I also know that um, I don't trust him to be my shield all the time. So, I guess my whole point to that is, and I kind of get on a soapbox about it, is just to consider listening and, and going to the scriptures and realizing that these words, precious and treasure and more valuable than gold, are often and mostly what I've seen used to describe what we have through the redeeming blood of Christ Jesus and what we will have in order to be in heaven with him again. Yeah, that's awesome. And so God saying this to Abraham, or Abram at this point, he's saying it as he's been following and he's been giving him this promise because it's all it's all overlays and parallels. Like you can fold this Bible shut and it literally bleeds through into the other side and we have Abraham inheritance the 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 future Jerusalem the heavenly one you know the promised land being God's promise to save the people which is an example of what is to come in Christ bringing us all together and we know that we talked about last week and we will talk about again that he he actually announced the gospel to Abraham in advance and the gospel being Jews and Gentiles being saved right well you bring up a good point about you going back to the inheritance that you just talked about and the heavenly Jerusalem, mm-hmm. um, the fact that we are looking at Abram who has all these promises about the promised land. Um, in Hebrews it, it says, or maybe Stephen says it in Acts in his speech, uh, that he did not receive one foot of ground. Like he, he saw the land, he was, he was in the land, but he did not actually receive any of it. Right. So, and, and I know you're addressing this as well, but not only the the prosperity gospel of receiving receiving you know whatever in heaven what you do here but the prosperity gospel of we should be physically uh money wise and stuff blessed today while we're here doing it i mean goes totally against what most people in the bible went through i mean yes abram uh did get wealthy at times he did not receive the promise, or he did not receive the land that he was promised, and it says in, in Hebrews that he. Uh, uh, let me go to it real quick. Um, while you're going to that, the verse is in Acts seven verse five. It says he gave him no inheritance here, meaning Abram, not even a foot of ground. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land, even though at that time Abraham had no child. So he's saying he didn't even have a foot of ground, but then it says he and his descendants would possess the land. Well, Abram does possess the land. He's with God now. He's the li- he is living, and he's with the Lord. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's the. Um. That's a, he 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 did enter the promised land, but it, because it wasn't he's safe. Right. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't ever meant to be that physical dirt that was going to give Abram rest. He never received rest on that physical dirt. Right. It was eternity with Christ, which was through uh, Christ redeeming him with the blood, which is foreshadowed. We're going to get to that with yeah. Isaac. But I mean, and, and also to add to that, it says uh, with what you said, that by faith he made his home. Oh, this is uh, Hebrews 11, um, verse 9. By faith he made his home of the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him at, of the same promises. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And this, what does that mean, a city with foundations? 
what what is awesome is that you you see this this city coming out of heaven in Revelation, very mysterious, is the bride of Christ. In chapter 21, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Um, <clears throat> it goes on. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. <clears throat> they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. That is rest. That is entering the promised land. And when you go on, it actually talks about how the foundations, it has foundations. It says, uh, the, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. On them were the names of 12 apostles and the Lamb. It goes on. So it's like you have this picture of this city that Hebrew says Abraham was looking forward to. Um, yeah, and, and, and to add to that, let's talk about Christ being the stone, the foundation, right? He's mm -hmm. the rock, right? And, and there's a lot of imageries. I think one cool one that you've talked about is how Moses strikes a rock in the desert and it, it breaks open and water pours out, which is a total picture of Jesus. Yeah, in the New Testament it says it was Jesus. Right, I mean, actually when he carries down the law from the mountain the first time, he throws it and it breaks on rocks, mm -hmm. right? And the law is going to be... It's foreshadowed because of the yeah. wickedness of the people. It was going to be broken. But if you read, going back to that First Peter verse, all right, so think about, um, this First Peter chapter 2, beginning of verse 4. Think about what we talked about last week, this holy priesthood, Christ being the foundation and the stone, all of these things. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God is precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. Um, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Um, pretty, pretty cool imagery and, and example. I mean, it all, yeah, it all, it all fits. In. And so we understand now, like being in the order of Melchizedek through the redeeming blood of Christ... We're being built into this holy city that will one day be, you know, full, be complete in the presence of God. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and it's so, I mean, the reason we say it's so connected, because it is connected. I mean, that was written to teach us what's going on here. This yeah. Melchizedek comes in to teach us about the holy priesthood. I mean, it, 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 is, uh, it is absolutely how you study this, by, by letting the one scripture, um, you know, reveal the other and, and right the but the uh i mean i was thinking about talking about the city abram and i know we talked about this he basically gave back uh his his power to build that city i mean he was just like we talked about he he conquered all these people he had all these possessions he could have built himself a city called it abram Abram's town, and you know, but the foundation would not have been on rock like Christ talked about. It would have been on sand. It would have been on worldly possessions. Yeah. So, so the prosperity gospel is, uh, to me, uh, very dangerous, um, very, very uh, heretical. I mean, it absolutely. It 
the fact that you know you think you give and you're going to get twice as much and the people are teaching it out there oh yeah. i mean they're teaching it and i mean at this point they would have looked at what abram had in his possession when he got back from this battle and said that's the pinnacle of faith right there look right. at all the stuff he has and they would have kept it and walked away but we see here that that that's never what it was about right it would have been look look how blessed abraham is because he followed god this is what he gets that is his reward right and then, but it's not and he's meant to be the example so it's yeah good stuff. and i'd say the the prosperity gospel and and a lot of people like to bash it too right some people can see that there's some obvious ones that come to people's minds but i mean i think to add to that is not just the prosperity of like you get more when you give um, but it's also this, the power, the, um, the motivation per se to say behind trying to lead someone to God or trying to do some things because you're thinking about your reward in heaven, your crown, right? I want to have, I want to have a big house in heaven so that people know what I did. That too is dangerous to ever think about that because that takes away something that you're going to hear us say a lot in that our faith is given to us when you can grasp and understand that it has nothing to do with you which which gives christ all the credit all the, the word of god that christ uses you know all all comes from him yeah all right cool well thanks for letting me go off on a little tangent there so um in the next part you know we've got this abraham's gonna have a son right and we often hear uh, or at least I've often heard, and you've I've talked about this before, that Abraham doesn't follow God here. He decides to go off on his own, and he doesn't want to wait for a tr his son with Sarai. They call it a lapse of faith, and uh, we've heard it called much worse than that. <laughs> and um, as uh, one of our favorite pastors often says, Matt Chandler, the problem with that is the scriptures, is because the Bible. the Bible itself will show us um, that. He that Ishmael had a purpose, he was planned, and that the when God comes to Abram, we're going to see that Abram, when he goes with Hagar, who was brought to him and given to him by Sarai, he is still falling within what God tells him is going to happen. And we'll even see that God testifies that Abram never wavered in his faith. So let's do it. So, okay. um all right, so continuing with where, where we just in uh, verse 2. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? The one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Poor guy. He's probably like sitting there now like, why? What was wrong with me having it? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Right up front, very clear here in, in my mind, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. Ishmael comes from the body of Abram. Right. Right? Yeah. So him being with Hagar does not, is not counterintuitive to this. It doesn't. It doesn't cancel this out. It's not him going. Oh well, I'm not waiting on God. Right. He, you know, and it's not to say that God's trying to fool him here. You know. Yeah. It's, it's no. simply, it is. It, it has a purpose, and I'll, I'll let you go into that. Like Ishmael is, he has a huge 
purpose. And he often gets a bad rap too, I think. Yeah, I mean, Ishmael um, is, well, it's really Hagar. Right. Uh, let me find it real quick. Um, and I'll, I'll go ahead and read till we get to um, when uh, Sarai, so in chapter 16, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So, next verse, Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So he believes he's going to have a son from his own body, like God told him. And his wife offered up the maidservant since she believed she was barren. Right. And, and which, which she even says, like this isn't like she's hiding from God. She's saying, the Lord has prevented me from having yeah, children. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. This promise was given to you. And remember, God is appearing to Abram. The whole time. I mean, there's nothing... The first time we see the Lord, like, speaking to Sarah, it, or I think is when uh, the, the three visitors come, the Lord is one of them. And that's when he reaffirms the fact that Isaac will be born. Um, so, the Lord is speaking to Abram. She knows that a child will come from his own body. She says, the Lord has prevented me from having children. And it, yeah. so, so she does that and, and then he also takes Hagar to be his wife this is not uh, it, it says in there so he took her to be his wife I don't remember what verse that is but um, let's see okay so it says uh, in verse 3 chapter 16 verse 3 so after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years Sarah his wife took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. Yeah. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. Okay, and so then um, she gets, you know, run off by Sarai, and then, but then the, the angel of the Lord appears to her and gives a prophecy about Ishmael. <clears throat> right. Um, do you want me to read that, or do you want to go into what you're going to... Uh, I'm ready to talk about this part, but if you want to read that, you can. Well, I just think it's important. Like, he has a purpose right up front because we're getting it yeah. here. Go ahead. You are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. So God gives him his name. Mm -hmm. For the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So. Which which is... Uh... There's a there's a verse that says uh, a brother is born for adversity in Proverbs seventeen seventeen. That's kind of interesting yeah. with the uh, with the whole thing here too. But okay, so so let me try to lay this out real quick. Um, Isaac very much has a purpose. Uh, Ishmael very much has a purpose. The two are going to uh, point outside of the Old Testament. Constantly points outside of itself into the New Testament and what. New Testament is written expanding, explaining what took place in the Old Testament. Um, you cannot separate the two. So, what we, we, like, you'll be reading along, like in Galatians, all of a sudden I start talking about Hagar, the slave woman, and Sarai. And so, this, this is where you take this to the back to Genesis to fully understand what's going on here. Okay, this was ordained by God. And I'll read the Galatians part real quick. Okay. Before I read it, I'm going to explain that. Hagar is called the slave woman. She represents the children born under law. Um, the children that are born 
from a husband's will. Okay, and let me explain that. Isaac is born because God. Isaac is is a supernatural birth in a way because God ordains it. He comes. He he speaks about it. It's not like Abraham. Abraham said, I'm going to have Isaac, you know, let's get pregnant at that moment. And we're God, told very early on that, that Sarai is barren. We're told before this that she was barren. So it's impossible. So, right. She is not capable of having children. Right. And and so it's he's the he's the child born by the spirit. Isaac is. Ishmael is the natural child, the one born by a husband's will. Right right off the bat, we have even going back to Melchizedek. The one blown by the Spirit. You don't know where he comes from. And you have um, Levi in the womb of Abram, who is, you know, uh, an ancestry, a descendant, a legal heir, a legal heir. So Hagar is going to represent the, the children in slavery who are those who are trying to attain their salvation by the law. Um, and they're going to be sent away because it's going to be given to the children of faith which are the ones reckoned through Isaac, who are all who Christ has called to faith in him. All right, so it's kind of complicated, but I'm going to go ahead and read Galatians. And uh, it's chapter 4, verse 21. And uh, Paul is laying out the fact that these uh, a lot of the Galatians here are trying... I mean, th throughout the whole New Testament, there's this, this battle going on of... Law versus uh, faith, and and Paul keeps trying to lay out the fact that you you cannot attain salvation. This takes away from the cross. The cross is it. it is Christ. It is faith in Christ. If you get, if you're circumcised, don't you understand that's not a little bit of righteousness added to what you already have that is trying to attain your salvation, and. And if you're guilty of breaking one part of the law, you're guilty of breaking it all, which was the way it was designed to point to Christ, because law brings death. So, it says, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. So right off the bat it says, Tell me, you who... Uh, it says, Are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written... That Abraham had two sons. So now all of a sudden what we're reading in Genesis isn't just a narrative. This is like, this is in the law of God. Right, he's telling us that it had more meaning than just being a story about the fact that he had two sons. Not a lapse of faith in Abraham. This right. is, okay, so one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way, but his son by the free woman was born as a result of a promise. These things may be taken figuratively. I love that. Because that tells us these things are these things are pointing to something. Right. Okay. So, for the woman represents two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai that bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem, because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. And she is our mother, for it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Um, now you brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. At the time, the son born in the ordinary way, Ishmael, 
persecuted the Son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does the Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. So, it really requires reading the whole book of Galatians and soaking this in, but present the, at the time of Christ, the present-day Jerusalem was trying to attain the righteousness through law. They were truly, they thought they were free through the law, but they were truly enslaved to it because they had to keep serving it. Right. Sacrifices over and over. They couldn't get away from the sin. The sin held them in death and perpetually the law over and over and over uh, trying to attain their righteousness. So what happened is those who were still trying to attain the righteousness through the, the legal inheritance were sent away. And then God raised up children for for Abraham out of stones, right. just like John the Baptist said. And it, it was through the child of a promise, which now represents Christ. And Christ, in him, we are now citizens of the heavenly Jerusalem, which we just read about in Revelation, mm -hmm. um, which is the rest of God on foundation. So, I mean... You, you look at what Paul says in Galatians, and you understand that this stuff is happening for a purpose back then. And it, it, it's, it's very heavy stuff. But And there, there's another section where... Um, yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah, that, and that's... I mean, and just on the surface of it, because it does require... You know, a lot of studying and, and, and prayer, but I, I think it's it's really clear that the scriptures open that up and show that Ishmael wasn't some random thing. It was born by the husband's will because that was the way it was to be an example. It wasn't like God, who knows all of us before the foundations of the earth, and we read it from a verse earlier, was like, oh crap, Abraham had this kid. No, it was, it was it had divine purpose, um, right? And it teaches us a lot too. So that's that's cool. And I mean, you know, people look at I me. Mean, if you look into the story, Abraham laughed when when Isaac was when he was told that he would bear when he would have Isaac. Okay, at a hundred. Yeah. Um, and you look at that, and and you just. Just look at it and read it and read it and read. Realize the man is laughing out of like, wow, you know, amazement. You know, like I'm a I'm a hundred, so I'm gonna have a child. It's not, it's not laughing like, are you serious? You, you don't think you can do that? I mean, I just remember, yeah, yeah, hashing that out with with you know a few people, and <clears throat> and we know that because of the different ways in which God replies to laughter in the same story. Sarai laughs, right. and it seems to be like a one of, of disbelief. And she, she hides it. And she hides it. And so she hides it, and that gives us an example, too, to say, okay, well, why does she feel like she has to hide it? But Abraham, it says, he fell face down, he laughed and said to himself, will his son be born to me, a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. 
So he laughs knowing he's in front of God, and then he says to God, like God reveals Abraham's thoughts or what he's saying to himself. And then and then Abraham addresses God and says and makes a plea for Ishmael. Mm-hmm. Which what father wouldn't? Exactly. And, and yet so you know, putting all that together, we can see that it appears and it seems to be really clear that the laughter is one of just like excitement and belief that it would happen, but but really like amazement, like wow. It, and really, you yeah, know? yeah, and I mean, he says, "If only Ishmael may live under your blessing." That doesn't mean, uh, don't bless the child that you're telling me about. That doesn't mean anything like that. It just, he's, he's, he loves Ishmael as well. Yeah. So, and God responds to that too. He says, "Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear your son, and you will call him Isaac, and that's who he's going to establish his covenant with." And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. Um, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. Um, and, we, and we're going to get into this, but of, and Isaac is a big example of the one and only son of Christ, like Christ <clears throat> the, the one that comes through the Spirit, and, and that's, why he's, that's why he's there too. This, is, this has, well, and what you read in Galatians is talking about that, but... And, and and even spin this around even more is that the covenant is established with Isaac, but anybody who uh, Christ calls in faith comes into the inheritance of that covenant, mm-hmm. including descendants of Ishmael, right. who would be saved. Because we know that all nations, right? He told Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. Yeah. Well, that's all nations, you know? So, I believe... Uh, it's almost a foreshadowing of those who are under law, who are doing the... I mean, you see guys like, like Saul. I mean, he, at one time, Galatians, who you know, he wrote Galatians, who's Paul now. At one time, he fell under the, the, the slave woman right. who was in slavery he to was, the law. He was... He, there was no one that, that seemed, that in the scriptures, that like, followed the law like he did. Right, you know, like yeah. He, he said he was advancing uh, among you know Jews his age. He was greatly advancing even above you know older guys than him and stuff. Yeah. He was very zealous. Um, I mean, he was you know he was there when Stephen was stoned. Right. So we have this this stuff that we reference from Acts. Oh, the persecution. You yeah, have the persecution Steve, there. Yeah. So Stephen's being stoned, right? Stephen, who is now a brother of Paul in Christ, right? right. Yeah. So he's his brother's adversary. He holds the coats of those, you know, they lay the coats at his feet. So God gives us this imagery to let us know. Yeah, Saul did all these bad things, but he was there when Stephen was stoned. As Stephen revealed all of these things, by faith this, by faith this, by faith this. And you read about it in Acts 7. So here he is, in, you know, against his brother. Mm-hmm. And then the redeeming blood of Christ after the persecution. And now he's, he's, he's in the other side. So that's a great point because I... And we're not going to get into this, and I, I don't know enough about it. I know you've studied it a good bit, but in the history of the world and in present-day conflicts, there are a lot of people that that this story, this this Ishmael and Isaac thing, gets really mixed up, and it runs deep. Mm-hmm. And it and it's like, well, that you're on one side or the other. But for God, you can be just like the Levitical law, where you can cross from the one order into the other because of Christ. We can see that here, right? right? I mean, yeah, I mean it's. It's uh, the 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 
inheritance, the covenant given to Isaac, just like he says, you now brothers are are reckoned through Isaac, mm-hmm. which this is showing we're reckoned through Christ, because Isaac is representing the appointed time, the promise, the the child. It's the same covenant. Right. I mean, it's the covenant that was given to Abraham, was given to Isaac, and this is the covenant of the salvation to come. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see the the fact that. Um, descendants of I, of Ishmael can benefit from what God is doing by sending Ishmael away and showing this yeah. taking place too as well. But it this is this was appointed to happen. Yeah. So, and and I want to be clear too. Like we we're looking at these characters again, the patriarchs and the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because now we are starting to see. Okay, when it says I'm the God of Abraham we've seen a lot happen already, right? But we're not worshiping Abraham. We're not worshiping Isaac. We're not worshiping Ishmael. They are a sign to what has come. They reveal the character of God, the sovereignty of God, the mercy, the grace. This is, it it is glorifying to him. And all we're doing is trying to lay that out. They're the work of of God. I mean, his hands molded. We're not, we don't pray to Abraham. We don't pray to Isaac, you know, right. Um, Although we, we can, I mean, just like Hebrews would lay out, we can, you know, look up to what was done through them. Yeah, that. Yeah. Giving glory to God. Right, Giving exactly. glory to Christ. And that's our God. goal, yeah. So, so let's, um, let's kind of summarize what we've been so far. So we've talked about the very great reward, the shield, um, the connection that we can see. Um, if, you, if you kind of word search in the scriptures, shield and reward, and inheritance, you can start to see these overlays. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the purpose, um, and that it wasn't a lapse in judgment with Abraham. And it actually doesn't it say in Galatians that he had unwavering faith, right? Yeah, I think it does. And uh, I can pull it up here. Okay. Um, and where we look for that is, um, you know, we talked about Acts seven, um, talking about the faith of Abraham, and then we looked at the 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 slave woman versus the promised. Um, appointed time the appointed time and that's in Galatians 4 in connection to this and explaining what was going on here um, so I just wanted to kind of summarize where we saw those things and then let's see here the unwavering can find it and I'd say that for us a word search is, is key and that it show it, it ends up um yeah, uh, while you're looking, I mean, if for we know it, words are intentional, we know that we can, right? Right. Yeah, it, it's like it's the same way. What um, s- scholars and stuff have said. Well, you have to you have to go back to the original Greek word, and then you can find other times that Greek word was used, and it sheds light on. But every time they do that, every time I've seen guys do it, I can I can search that word in my NIV, and find it as well, and do mm-hmm. the same study because the, I mean. We've, we talked about this in another podcast. The translation um, is from, you know, God can translate it into other languages. So if the, you know, if you have, if you search inside a translation, which I, we use the NIV, that it is a powerful search tool. I mean, when I sit down, I, I sit down with a notepad, Bible, and a way to search words. Right? Yeah. Did you find it? I think it's in he is in Hebrews. Who is enabled to become the child or the father? Typed in unwavering and it didn't give it to me. 
Um, by faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become the father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, which is, which is a pretty strong statement because I, I, like, I don't think that's like kind of old. I think that's really, you know, like, that's pretty old to be as good as dead. Mm-hmm. Came to sentence as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand of the seashore. Is that the one you're thinking of? Well, while you're looking for it, I want to talk about really quick um, the the parables that are in the Bible, the parables that Christ uses about the wheat, and we've talked about he created the wheat to be the way it is to teach us about the sowing of the word and and all these things, the water. He created it the way he did to teach us about the spirit and the way man would need the spirit to live. He did that with the stars. He did it with the sun. He did it with many other things. And there, that these parables are the same running throughout the scriptures. If you look at the vineyard, it's the vineyard in Isaiah is Israel. And, the, and when Christ talks about it and he's talking to the Pharisees and he's given a parable about the vineyard, he's talking about Israel. It's the same parable. So, when when Christ take or when uh, when God takes Abraham out and shows him the the stars in the sky, and says his descendants are going to be like that, he's not just looking around like, oh man, what what can I pick? That's there's a lot of okay. We he could done leaves, you right. know. He's taking them out the stars because your descendants, your descendants, the the true children of Abraham, are going to take this word. And they're not going to be the light of the world, but I am going to shine my light through them. They're going to be like the stars in the sky, yeah. because the stars give light in the darkness. Okay, and when you search stars, you get Paul talking about, as, you know, go out as you hold the word of truth out uh, in the universe, the unf- like stars. Okay, I'm, I, I thought I had that one better in my head, but. Uh, it, it's something like that. The the point about it is is that, and it's also a heavenly body too. Um, later on, he gives certain. You have to I, look. Go go and look at the promises given to Abraham and compare them because sometimes he says the dust of the earth, sometimes he says the stars in the sky. And there's very specific reasons why he does that, and it's kind of uh, it would take a long time to to get into that. But just know that. The, the these these things have great meaning, and, and you can find them. I mean, and just like talk about search tool, and obviously God has to reveal it yeah. too. But it's there. I mean, it's there to be found. Um, the verse I was thinking of is in Romans four, uh, verse eighteen. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. So that also goes, in, oh, um, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. That is why it was credited to him as righteousness. Um, 
the words it was credited to him were not were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Huge section of scripture. But in the context of what we're talking about, it says, Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. This goes to that spot right where we're talking about where he laughed. And it says he did not waver. His faith didn't weaken. So that laugh, just to add to that, wasn't a laugh of unbelief. Right. Because this tells us right here. it's, uh, it's, It's cool. And that's, again, another example of where Scripture will unlock Scripture. Let the Scriptures define the laugh. Don't just read it and go, he laughed. Well, okay, so yeah. he, and then our minds fill it in and we speculate and we go, well, he, and then we hear and we've pastors build stuff. whole sermons around the fact that this shows how, that Abraham, even, even Abraham could be used by God. Abraham didn't believe. That's not it at all. Yeah. It's yeah. not even close. It's in fact, it's completely the opposite of that. You were, you couldn't be more in the dark on it. You and totally I'm not, missed the point. Right. Totally and it's not it. attacking it. It's like, if something seems a little weird or a little off, like sometimes you're reading in genealogy and there'll be this one random sentence that doesn't seem to fit with everything, let it light up. It's 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 purposeful. Yeah, and let's I'm, not be foolish in it. Let's not just let's not just read between the lines. I mean, let's not just read it and not try to put it into context or understand because the scriptures through the Spirit will open it up, and that is our goal is to as we're doing this, again, is to show where we've seen it in hopes that it will spark thought and understanding in others to realize that, wow, this is a living thing, just like the Bible says it is. Just like Abraham is. Right. right. Definitely. And I see that in Romans, it reminds me that where you just read... Um, what verse did you just read? Okay, there 18. it is. Did you, uh, verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. I know we kind of, we've talked about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. the, it is in Romans that that is actually defined. I mean, And so the verse we were just looking at in Genesis 15, where he tells Abram about the uh, um, son coming from his own body. In verse 6, it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay, so, Romans... That cha- whole chapter is really big yeah. in all this. You know. And that, that's the thing. I mean, th- this stuff, we are just just barely skimming this stuff. I mean, it, it, it really... We're skipping over so much awesome stuff that... So, I mean, I just, once again, read it. Read Romans. Read, read this part we're in. But in chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 4, Four. Um, well, I guess I would start in chapter four. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? And the matter he's talking about is uh, is righteousness through faith or through law. Okay, that's what is laid out in the previous chapter. Uh, in fact, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does the Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as, as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks 
of the blessedness of the man whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Okay. So credited righteousness means that you are blessed and your transgressions are forgiven. Your sin is covered and the Lord will never count your sin against you. And that is all through the blood of Christ. It is a gift. Absolutely a gift. Right. And and he goes on even in verse 9. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness, which is also in chapter 15, verse 6 of Genesis. Under um, what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or before? It was not after, but before. He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. So it's the other point he's making here is he's saying this happened before this this big example of the law, the circumcision. The like, command. Right. This is before that happened. And right. that's key too because it was planned. And it's it's not about what you can do. Right. It's exactly like you're saying. It's given. And, and then he goes on. Uh, just the verse after what you're, you said, So then he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that the righteousness might be credited to them. So what this is laying out is that when you are, when Christ raises you from the dead, forgives you for your sins, you believe in him, you follow him, you are credited righteousness the same, Abraham was not credited righteousness in any different way. It It was... When he was credited righteousness, it meant that he was covered by the blood of Christ, which means, if you don't know what that means, it means that through the shedding of, of Christ's blood, him dying on the cross to be an atonement to, for the sins of all who will believe in him, and, and, and he saves, um, their sin never counts against them. They're forgiven, and they enter God's rest through the resurrection of Christ. So... It's huge because the credited righteousness, so many times, um, it, 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 just like you said, it's laying out the fact this is not by any merit you have. He believed, but even that belief, we know, I mean, it's, it's one of my favorite, another favorite pastor, uh, John Piper, says as well is that you didn't raise yourself from the dead. You were stone dead before Christ opened your eyes to any knowledge of God, any truth, you right. know, that you believe. You didn't, like, wake up one day and decide to, maybe Matt Chandler says this, decide to get smart before God. Um, God did that. He raised you from the dead. And that's a beautiful thing, and we can't boast about it. Right. It's credited. It's it's all for His glory. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, we're going to continue the patriarchs thing next week, and we'll kind of um, we'll do like we did with Melchizedek, and we'll see that we're going to kind of talk about a character that is involved with Abram. Um, we're going to get into Lot, and um, as we've said before, there's a lot with Lot, um, and he's another guy that gets a bad rap, but the scriptures are the problem with that. It's very. They, they seem to be very clear on the heart of Lot. It's and not we, even hard to show. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Lot next week. Um, 
Abrams, uh, Abrams, Abrahams now, Abraham at this point, role with that, um, and and how not only just Lot's character and what we see in him, but the connection we can see with the three visitors that come to Abraham and Lot. Um, mm-hmm. So, I'm really excited about that. That's a, that's cool, and, and I don't have to stumble over saying Abram and stop. Yeah. I can say Abraham. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, cool. So. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have again to open your word. And Lord, I thank you that you've shown us that your word was before you created all of this. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with you. And the word is you. And your word is who you are. And it goes out and it's truthful. And when you say something, it's as good as done. It's already, it might as well have already happened. Uh, Lord, I thank you that we know that, that you've written that in our hearts. I thank you that your word went out. We have it in this book form, but it is true before it was written down. But you gave it to us, and you've protected it, and it's perfect. And we thank you that we've seen that. We pray that as we discuss this and we record it, that we can share this with those we're around, that, Lord, you would use us, that we not only for sharing it, but to strengthen us as Abraham was strengthened, as you as we talked about tonight and read in the scriptures. Lord, that we can have the hope and the faith and the strength um, and the reward of you that Abraham had, and that we can share that with our children um, and with our fellow um, brothers and sisters, um, those in you um, and, uh, and those that hopefully will one day be. Again, Lord, just thank you so much for the opportunity. Um, Thank you for Jesus, for his blood, and for making it so clear from the beginning that you were going to send him um, and and do it to save us for your glory. And it's for that, Lord, that we pray um, and we seek you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.